0: Well, hello again. Welcome to the so-called Fantasy Experts Fantasy Baseball Podcast 2. Let's get some intro music while we're at it. Because... I swear one of these days I'm going to get this. Okay, now that we've had that mishap out of the way, every week that, that intro music startles me and does not run as I'd like. But on the line we should have Joe Bond and Dan Dominic. You guys here?
1: Hey yeah, Joe's here. What's going on, man?
0: I'm here as well. Ah, great to have you. First three man podcast so far of the uh early podcasting, you know, career here. But uh right. good to have you guys. Yeah, I'm glad you guys could make it. Uh, I know we had a few last-minute almost changes, so I'm glad everything worked out. <laughs> Joe, I'm glad your daughter made it to sleep all right so you could join us.
1: <laughs> yeah, me too.
0: <laughs> yeah, I'm sure you're, you're happy she's just asleep more than so you can just talk fantasy baseball. Um, Absolutely. Why, don't, why don't you guys you know, give a little shout-out about yourself, where you can find your writing, where you can find yourselves on Twitter, all that good stuff, so our listeners can uh, get in touch with you after the show. Dan, why don't you uh, go first?
2: Sure. Uh, My name, as uh, Travis mentioned earlier, is Dan Dominic. You can find me on Twitter at Azuri1985. That's A-Z-Z-U-R-R-I-1985. I've previously contributed to the last two Project Roto draft guides, and I am now a contributor with so-called Fantasy Experts.
0: Awesome. And Joe, what about you?
1: Yeah, Um, you can find me on Twitter at Fantasy Six Pack, all spelled out one word. Um, And I am the founder and head writer of fantasy six pack dot net. Been doing that for about six years now. And I've written a few articles for FanDuel, Fantasy Pros, and now writing for, um, oh, and SkillZone dot com, and now writing for uh, so called Fantasy X.
0: Yeah, don't leave out Skill Zone there, Joe. We're both skill zone alums. You have to Yeah,
1: I thought I recognized out. your name from that.
0: <laughs> yeah. yeah man, we're that's both. a
1: great place to play some free uh some free fantasy daily football in the fall.
0: Yeah, it was pretty fun. I never won any money from it, but hey, there's always next season. Uh, <laughs> yeah. right? It's that it stuff's hard. Gambling is so hard. Why is that? Is yeah, it, it is. <laughs> if it was only easy, I could be so rich. Uh Whatever. All right. So we're here to talk fantasy baseball. Um, I figured we'd get together just sort of – I know a lot of stuff has been out there about, you know, tears and starting pitching and injuries, RIP Zach Wheeler. Um, (laughs) But not a lot I feel like has really ever talked about how you should build your team and how that strategy can uh, vary based on how big teams are. So just wanted to talk a little bit about that. Uh, First off, so Dan, you're sort of the resident expert on this. What is your uh, preferred league size? Do you care if it's – does it matter to you if it's 10 teams or 20 teams? Do you, do you like right in the middle, 15? What's uh, what's your take on this?
2: Well, what I found – I've played in uh, a wide variety of sizes. i played everything from 10 to 16 team leagues uh, in both uh, football and baseball. My preferred size in baseball is anywhere – from fourteen and up uh, i the, the problem that i have um and you know to each everybody's own but to me ten team leagues are a little um, they're a little less challenging because the talent that's available on the waiver wire in the free agent market generally tends to be good enough that you can easily fix your mistakes on draft day or if you make a, a, a poor trade whereas uh... in leagues of fourteen plus teams it's a little more challenging because of the, the dearth of talent on that waiver wire. It makes it a little more, um, a little more of a, a diamond in the rough kind of format where you have to really do your research to really know, uh, who the next call-ups are, et cetera, et cetera. It's, it's much harder to actually find those treasures later in the season.
0: Yeah. I feel like it definitely, uh, makes you hone your, hone your craft as a fantasy sports guy. Um, a little bit more when you've got those 15 teams and and you have to decide do I pick up this pitcher after two good starts cuz if he has a third good start someone else is going to get him but he could just have two lucky games. Uh Joe what, do you, what what's your what's your thoughts? Do you like the shallower leagues? Do you like the deeper leagues or do you like the super deep leagues? You go 20 teams, 800 player kind of thing. <laughs>
1: uh I I tend to agree with Dan there. Um I, I'm kind of I play in a lot of 12 team leagues just because that seems to be the the norm. Um, especially with like my, my hometown friends and stuff like that, um, and that's fine. You know, it's, it's de It's definitely doable. That's that's kind of right in the middle of not enough depth and stacked teams, like the ten team leagues. Like Dan was saying, you know, you you can you can pull the waiver wire at any at, at any time, and there's guys that shouldn't be there just because there's not enough roster spots, and. Yeah, you can. It, it kind of goes both ways. You can fix your mistakes from draft day, but you can also just sit there and you know beat your head against the wall as in, well, this guy's good, but my guy's good, and which one's better? And you just kind of go back and forth, and it's super frustrating. So I don't even deal with 10 team leagues anymore. Um, not saying they're not bad, you know that they're they're bad. You know they're there for a reason. They're good for every, you know, for different people. It's just not for me. Um, the the higher leagues, though, anything above twelve is, is probably preferred. You know, fourteen, sixteen is good because, like Dan was saying, you actually have to do your research. You've got to know what you're talking about, so you can gain the advantage just from actually knowing your knowing your stuff. And that's where I feel like you know I can benefit from because I, I do all this all all this
0: research. So why not use it? Yeah, definitely. You want you want to put it to use. If you're in the ten team league, you may have your you know sleeper pitcher who is a good sixteen team pickup, but in a ten team league, it's like not really worth it, and that just kind of sucks. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, I personally like the deeper leagues. Not even for the skill that is required to find those diamonds in the rough or the challenges, any of that stuff. I just feel like the more people that are in the league, the more like to join a sixteen team league. I feel like you have to be pretty committed to playing fantasy baseball, so it just sort of makes it a more competitive um, environment overall. Like people are trying to trade, people are fighting for waiver priority stuff like that. So I just think even beyond the skill that is involved, it is just you got a group of guys and gals maybe who uh, are more invested. So that's always been my sort of take on it. Um, and with those ten team leagues, like I've been in ten team leagues where my team's really good. But somebody else's What is going on? Somebody else is is just a little too good, and it uh kills me.
2: Mhm. Mhm.
0: So. All right, let's keep moving. I don't. Are you guys hearing background music right now?
2: I'm. I'm. I'm not hearing anything at all.
0: Okay, I got uh, it to I'm go away.
2: <laughs> it was a glitch with my <laughs> Skype going on. So
0: hey, everybody. <laughs> poke fun at the guy who just randomly uh babbled for 35 seconds and he closed all his windows <laughs> god i swear to god one of these days we're gonna have a nice smooth one um it was like a commercial it was like a commercial for swiffer i'm like is this supposed to be in is this like a product placement that I, david and tell is about all right so that's out of the way we've got the league size thing down pat uh and so for all intents and purposes, we'll just assume we're doing snake drafts here because uh, auction drafting gets a little different with how you build your team because um, you have more access to all the players. Um, but for snake draft, Dan, when uh, when you're in a snake draft, do you prefer end of the draft, like the back end, 14, 12, or, or, or do you gotta like to be at the top, try to get that Mike Trout or Paul Goldschmidt?
2: Um, I don't know if I necessarily have a preference in terms of beginning versus end of the snake but I do have it I do definitely want to be at one of the two ends I absolutely hate showing up for draft day and you're in say a 14 team league and you find out you've picked number six I think that is just absolutely terrible Um, I definitely like having the back to back or as close to the back to back as possible Um, I think where actually positionally I want to be at is kind of variable upon what the talent of the draft is. Um, you know, for example, um, this year I'd be perfectly okay with having the back end of a 12 or a 14 team uh, fourteen team pick because you might be looking at somebody like, say, Troy Tulewitzki. Um Now, granted, I understand there are lots of injury risks there, but – you know on a per game basis, you know, if i'm looking at being able to draft a 3100 caliber shortstop who can hit 300 at the back end of the draft and immediately turn around and get another pick right away, that's perfectly fine with me. Um so, you know, this particular year i have no problem whatsoever drafting at the end of that first round, just as long as i have those back-to-back picks whether it's uh, between rounds one and two or if it's between rounds two and three, depending on which end I'm at.
0: So you don't worry at all about uh, the dreaded catcher run or the closer run, like missing out on anything am, like that?
2: I am, quite frankly, I've always been a contrarian when it comes to the runs. Um, when I see in my drafts, when I see, for example, a catcher run or a closer run, generally I try and avoid getting swept into that. Um particularly because while all of those teams may be overreaching for a catcher or overreaching for a closer because they panic and want to participate in that run, I can then use that pick and instead focus on perhaps a more valuable player. And, you know, in particular, let's say catcher, for example, this year catcher, especially in single catcher leagues, is insanely deep this year. So I have no problem letting that run pass, getting a more talented player, and waiting until... um, that end of that tier, maybe the the number 15 catcher off the board, because quite frankly, that guy might be good enough that I can live with having him, but I got a more valuable pick instead of getting swept into that run.
0: Hmm. That definitely makes sense. Uh, I'd, I've, I've had a lot of bad luck with getting swept into closer runs. Uh, Chad Qualls comes to mind where i was like, <laughs> Oh, like I need, I need a closer. All right, Chad Qualls, And then he bombs out. Um, so I can definitely understand what you're saying about that. But, uh, Joe, what about you? Prefer a draft slot or are you just sort of a variable and find some value wherever you're picking?
1: I mean, I think at this point I've done enough drafts where I kind of make it work wherever I am. But, you know, I, I clearly would like to be one of the first two or three picks. Um, this year I think top four is, is, is my preferred um, where you get either Trout, obviously number one, and then Stan Goldie or uh, – McCutcheon, the next uh, three players off the board usually. Sometimes people are taking Kershaw. I'm, I'm not a fan of taking pitchers early, even though it's Kershaw, but I'm sure that'll be a discussion later in this. Um, but, uh, you know, the the end of the draft is fine, too, because especially at the end of the first round, you're you're guaranteed to get two studs, um, like Dan was saying, and so that that's always okay with me, too. If I don't get one of the First three, you know, two, three, or four picks, then then getting one of the last two or three in the in the round is is, is always good with me. Um, yeah. You know, I, I don't I don't really get caught up in the runs either. I kind of pick best value. Um, you know, I'm, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna reach for that eighth catcher four rounds before he should have been taken just because you know I'll I'll live with a with a. You know, Yasmani Grandal or, or somebody like that a little bit later, if if I have to wait, um, and be perfectly content and and take the better outfield or better or the better first baseman or something like that. So the the guys that are getting skipped over because people are reaching for Brian McCann three rounds
0: too early. Oh, poor Brian McCann!
1: Uh, I feel like he's
0: <laughs> everybody reaches for Brian McCann, and last year it did not work out. Uh, you did bring um, up no, a good. It no. did bring up a good point about uh, sort of position scarcity versus best available uh does that joe for you come in to play at all like if you're drafting 15 out of a 16 team league do you maybe think all right i got I, I can go desmond here get the shortstop just knock that out or like a cano um just fill up a position where after five or six picks the talent sort of drops off a lot further than say outfield
1: no, I mean, so I usually have my players tiered and I and I have a cutoff point and I say, okay, if I happen to realize but it also, you know, if I happen to realize that the end of my tier that I want to draft a shortstop or a second baseman or something like that in is getting close, then I will likely draft somebody in that position. But I'll also take into account what round it is. I mean, if it's the third round and I'm drafting my second baseman who probably shouldn't go until the sixth or seventh round, then I'm not going to do it. I mean, that's just overreaching and that's how you lose. Um, so I'll wait until the next tier and just make do. If 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 people are going to reach on, on that position that much, then I'm going to take advantage of them somewhere else and I will find my second baseman or my shortstop later. Um there will be talent later. It, it'll, you know, somebody will pop up, and I will go
0: find him. Interesting, now, Dan. What do you think about that? Do you, uh, do you it's, to it it's,
2: a, it's a good thing that Joe and I don't play in leagues together because I feel like he would uh, interrupt a lot of my own strategies. I completely agree <laughs> with him. Um, as far as I'm concerned, at least, and depend, this varies on league size to some degree, but at least. The first maybe four to five rounds, I am I really don't care about position eligibility. I'm taking the best yeah. player off the board um, regardless of what position they play. And I definitely agree with Joe that creating tiers or creating sort of a baseline player that you absolutely do not want to drop below that player at a particular position is a great strategy. Uh, I actually employed this in my... Um, my long-time home league that I run with a lot of uh, former fraternity brothers of mine, where it's a 14-team league and we don't use uh, corner infield and middle infield options. So every team only typically has one shortstop. Last year, I'd done my research and felt very confident that Jimmy Rollins was going to have a great bounce back year. And so I drew my line at Jimmy Rollins and didn't want to drop below him. Well, as it turned out, every other team in the league had taken a shortstop very early in the draft, I was able to get Jimmy Rollins a pick number mm-hmm. two hundred and fifty-three overall in this particular league.
0: Um, nice pick.
2: So yeah. you know, I, I so I completely agree with Joe that it's it's less about the scarcity and it's more about targeting a specific guy. Um, for example, this particular year, I'm not focusing on a lot of uh, on, on many shortstops, and I know we're maybe getting a little too in-depth in specific players, but this particular year, for the same reasons why I liked Rollins a lot last year, I'm a big fan of J.J. J. Hardy's this year. So I'm probably going to draw that baseline at J.J. J. Hardy, and if I miss out on one of the top two or three shortstops, I'll just wait until J.J. J. Hardy's ready to come off the board, and I'll draft him as my shortstop and fill up the rest of my lineup with talent and Worst-case scenario, Hardy doesn't pan out, and I have enough talent at other places that I can trade and, and acquire a shortstop that can fill that need.
0: So, Joe, are you a, a J.J. Hardy fan, too? Because apparently you and Dan are, like, the same person. So, uh,
2: Yeah,
1: apparently we are, because, yes, um, uh, cause yes I actually – it's funny you say J.J. Hardy, because I actually drafted him super late in this new dynasty league, that I uh, that I joined with a bunch of people from so-called fantasy experts, and I oh, just, am I, in I that noticed exactly. Are you? Is this the one that just got done with slow draft? forty uh, yeah. man rosters.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah everybody.
1: Around. Everybody in that league drafted a shortstop, and I noticed that people had taken backups even, and JJ J. Hardy was still sitting there. So I just waited like five more rounds, and finally snagged Hardy. And uh, I don't even remember what round it was. I was trying to pull it up here, but I can't figure I can't figure out where Jesus the results are. But, like, I just snagged him super, super late and was like, okay. Um, so, yeah, it's funny that he mentions J.J. Hardy right there.
0: I really – I should have found somebody who really enjoyed getting caught up in catcher runs and hated J.J. Hardy. <laughs> I was like, you guys just keep saying <laughs> the same thing. It's killing me. Like, I'm trying to have some – Contrarian viewpoints, but you guys are just so it's kind of weird, honestly, but I'm glad you guys have some talking about <laughs>
2: well if we need to on the fly, I'll figure out a contrarian position just for the sake of being contrarian, I'll figure something out
0: <laughs> yeah uh, well, okay, well, hey, well, I appreciate that, but um, so you guys aren't i wouldn't say reaching it. well, you're not reaching for position scarcity. what about um statistical scarcity like if you I know steals is kind of like a one-off category, so you may not worry about that, but um, at least so far in the draft I've done, I've sort of focused on batting average at the top, figuring, okay, I can get uh, somebody like Oswaldo Garcia who's going to bat 240, but it'll hit me 25 home runs later. Got to balance that after you guys take into account stuff like that, like uh, elite categorical contributions maybe at the beginning of the draft. Dan, what about what do you think?
2: Uh, it's it's funny that you mentioned both average and Arcea, because i just wrote an article for so called fantasy experts um we had done a mock draft last wednesday uh that was run by tyler getman over at uh fantasy six pack and that was exactly my strategy going into the this mock draft was in my opinion batting average scarcity is a serious concern Uh, this year and in recent years as uh, Tristan Cockroft over at ESPN did this recently, I believe it was last offseason, emphasizing how batting average across the board has been dropping significantly. And so what I found is that by focusing on batting average early, by targeting guys who are going to bring you a 270, 280 and up average, your lineup can afford those Arcias, those Grandersons, those Ryan Howards, who can get you 20 to 25 or more home runs and can give you a big chunk of RBI, but may only hit 230, 240. In my opinion, the issue is that at the beginning of the draft is when you have your best hitters. Regardless of whether they are steals guys, regardless of whether they are power guys, they're likely going to give you a good average as well. But once you get to the end of that draft, you're looking at guys who are either going to be power or steals guys who are also going to be two forty, two fifty hitters. So the counting statistics are there regardless. If you target average early, you're you'll be able to make up for that and still put together a respectable average while being just on the same level with everyone else in terms of power and speed.
0: Hmm. Interesting that uh we're sort now at least we're sort of on the same page. Joe, what are you are you reaching for? And it doesn't even have to be hitting. Like if you're, you know, if you've got a couple ground ball pitchers, are you thinking right, I need to get a strikeout guy here, or are you just still going best available?
1: So I I kind of still go best available, but in my early rounds I try and target, um, I try and target the more all around player, but I put a lot of emphasis on power this year to me okay. power is actually going to be the weak spot in most teams this year. Um I've done a couple of different articles on the power drop in the uh in baseball and it's it's kind of scary the drop off in home runs that we've had since 2000. We've gone all the way from about 5500 home runs hit to just over 4000 last year in a span of 10 years. Mm-hmm. Um and so the the power drop off to find those thirty forty home run guys, even twenty five home run guys is dropping um and then early on you know you can yeah, you can find guys like Chris Carter later who are gonna batch you two twenty two thirty at best and still blast thirty home runs, but like you were saying, the average is gonna get crushed because of it. So hopefully early on you can find a guy that can get you kind of both a good average, you know, 270, 275, maybe even better, and still hit you 25, 30, 35 home runs. You know, guys like Stan, um, guys like Goldschmidt, you know, those kind of guys. I, I target those guys who are going to give you kind of all around. And if they can get you steals like a McCutcheon, even better.
0: Yeah, I find steals to be interesting to see how somebody builds their team. If they reach for steals, um, I kind of think of it as, like, all right, there's just a wasted pick. Um, yeah. But, I and like, if somebody, somebody's going after Ben Revere just to fill that steals thing, and I have Ben Revere in two leagues, so, you know, it happens. But <laughs> <laughs> sometimes you, you you get the guys who don't really do a lot else, so you need to front load that team with players who do everything so they can make up for the Ben Revere's of the world. Uh, Dan, I know you got a run in a little bit, so I just wanted to get your opinion on pitching. Um I know Joe touched on it before, but in fourteen team league, sixteen team league, how early are you looking to get a pitcher? Do you do you need a David Price or a Kershaw, somebody to anchor your rotation, or do you tend to fill up on, you know, second tier guys?
2: I uh I quite frankly have never been a believer in the idea that you need to have that staff ace. Um I'm I'm very much of the belief uh, as I mentioned in this this same article of employing the, the 2015 Boston Red Sox strategy, I have no problem whatsoever building my entire rotation about around SP twos and SP threes. Um, you know, I, I don't think for this particular mock draft that we participated in, Joe and I participated in last Wednesday. Um, I didn't take a pitcher until round eight, the, the, towards the end of round eight, and it was a 12-team mock. And I still ended up with a top four of Shields, Ross, Gio Gonzalez, and Liriano. And, yeah, I don't have that staff ace in that regard, but with the depth of those four, you know, I can live with that. I can live with that because instead of having to take a Kershaw on round one or a Scherzer in round two, et cetera, et cetera, I was able to grab Gomez, Braun, Adrian Gonzalez, Dozier, Carlos Santana, all guys that I'm really high on this year and build an offense because as Joe did mention, power, elite power is down. So instead of having to focus on making up power somewhere else, I was able to front load on it. And with the pitching depth that's available, I'm still able to put together what I feel was a respectable top four.
0: Interesting. But even if you were drafting like at that wheel, you're not you wouldn't think and say Kershaw was still available That uh or maybe not Kershaw, that's probably a bad example, but if you were thinking Scherzer, whoever you think is number two, King Felix, if you're drafting there at fourteen or sixteen, you wouldn't you'd still just pass him right up.
2: I think it's about value. Um if I were able to grab Felix at the wheel of let's say a fourteen to sixteen team league I might take it because I'm getting him later than what uh, I've experienced. He's been going in mock drafts. He's been in in some of the mocks I've been in. He's been going around anywhere between, let's say pick number 10 and pick number 12 to 13. So if I'm in say a 16 team league and he's still there at 16, absolutely. I'd consider taking him. Um, But I know that I'm going to have to figure out a way to make up offense somewhere else by doing that. And, um now on a completely contrarian uh example this uh this home league that I mentioned previously is a 14 team three keeper league and as it turns out uh two of my planned keepers this year are going to be Felix and and Bumgardner. I'm going to be able to get Felix at 14 overall and Bumgardner at 42 overall. Now to me I don't like keeping two pitchers in the first three rounds but Bumgarner forty-two is a great value, and it allows me to wait until maybe round nine or ten in that fourteen-team league to even consider taking another pitcher.
0: Interesting. That is. Uh, those are two, first of all, those are two very good keepers. I don't think anyone's going to feel bad for you. Sure. Sure. It. <laughs> no. It was pretty,
1: <laughs>
0: it was pretty good. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, pretty impressive. You pulled that off. Um, but yeah, I can see how you, you would think or uh, your opinion on if they've if someone like King Felix did fall, uh, you would you would take the pitcher, but you shouldn't just take a pitcher for pitcher's sake.
2: uh if you feel I like you need to. I, yeah, I think it's about value. And it's the same kind of strategy I think about, uh, not to go on too much of a tangent, but specifically when we start talking about taking closers in a draft. It's all about the value that you're getting out of that player. Um, I might really like a particular player, but if I'm drafting him at, let's say, 40 overall, when realistically I could draft him at, say, 70 overall, I'm minimizing the ability to maximize the return of value on him. So, you know, if I can get somebody that I maybe am not the biggest fan of, may not be my first idea for a pick, but I'm getting him at a significant value, I'm willing to, to, to sort of alter my my plan alter my strategy to some degree to compensate for that unexpected return of value
0: okay well that's uh good to know now if i'm ever in a league with you dan i'll know all your uh secrets i hope <laughs> I hope none of your fraternity okay. brothers were listening. Cause, uh, I Giving wh-
2: oh, they, they were asking for the number so that they could try and call in and listen. And I absolutely insisted they were not getting that number under any circumstances. <laughs> <laughs>
0: but come on, Dan, you have to boost our numbers. I want to get verified on Twitter. So the more people who listen,
2: I think that'll probably help.
0: But uh, Dan, very I know you've I know you've got to run. Um, so thanks for you know stopping by, talking to us a little bit. I'm sure we'll have you on yeah. again.
2: Yeah, and, thanks uh, for having me. I was it was a uh it was a pleasure. I'm looking forward to uh being able to join you for others as we go further on in the season.
0: Yeah, see, these aren't that hard, except for the No, intro not music. at
2: all. Not at all. You you did all the hard work anyway.
0: Oh I just <laughs> love when people compliment me. All right, Dan, we'll talk to <laughs> you soon. All right, um, thanks
2: guys. Take care.
0: See ya. See you later, Dan. But uh all right, so Joe, same question to you. I know you said you weren't looking to draft um a pitcher that highly, like in the top four, but how? Where's your where's your line for starting pitching? Top fifteen, top twenty. Wh- where would you go with uh, your first pitcher?
1: So I, you know, I I say that like, picks, but or uh, top three or four picks overall. Um, I absolutely won't take one. Like I, I probably take a pitcher in the first round, unless big like, rules are just kind of crazy and it requires that you take pictures that early. Um, I kind of take one of the top 12 or 15 pitchers, and, and I'd be happy with him, and then I can wait another couple of rounds and start going with some of the second third-tier guys and feel perfectly content and, and happy with my team. Um, I actually pulled up those draft results, the mock draft results that Dan was talking about. And it's funny you mentioned Felix with Scherzer because Felix got drafted number 16 in this in this mock draft about four picks before Dan in the second round. And then, so he let Scherzer go and he, Scherzer was drafted two picks after him. So he absolutely just was going based off his value chart, wherever, whatever he had. Um, I ended up taking Grinky at the end of the fourth round. I had the second pick in the draft. So I had the next to last pick in the fourth round and I took Grinky. um, because at that point, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, that was the tenth pitcher and knowing that after that, if i'd let you know if I had had to wait possibly two more rounds to get my next pitcher, who knows who I would have gotten um I was able to get a good i usually got one really good pitcher, one really good you know, starting pitcher, one really good reliever and then fill in the rest from there um like I drafted Holland a few rounds later, but then my next closer wasn't uh until round sixteen with Denwa, and then I took Casilla later uh like fourth or last round, so yeah, I just kind of fill it in, go with value, I don't reach um as much as possible. Unless I really like a guy, and like even though it might be reaching compared to the ADP, it's not reaching to me. You know, I have yeah. my own set of rankings, my own tiers. I go with what I know and what I think I know at least and, and go from there.
0: Yeah, I, I definitely believe in that. Um, you go with your own rankings kind of thing because if you reach for a guy and he overperforms his ADP, it's not really a reach because he turns out to be the 25th best player. Like if you took Anthony Rendon, like, three rounds before ADP said you should draft him last year, and he's a top 30 player, I don't really mm-hmm. consider that a reach. Like, maybe you could have waited another round and got, like, another 19th-round value talent somewhere. But if if you've got a guy you like, um, I don't think there's anything wrong with going up and getting him. Uh, reaching for, like, and yeah, stuff like that, that's when it gets a little hairy. Um, I definitely agree with your, got, like, one top closer and then sort of fill in the back end. Yeah, there's
1: just too much turnover in that position. You know, I kind of want to get one solid guy that I don't have to worry about all year, hopefully. Yeah. Um, Even that can be tricky sometimes. But, you know, Holland and guys like Chapman and, you know, uh, Kimbrell, they've been going forever. The odds of that just completely imploding are really low to me. So to get one of them is good. But the reason like Adele and Patances, which went two rounds after I took Holland... You know he could be awesome this year, and I kind of think he will be. But who knows? You know he's never done it before. He had an awesome season last year, but to repeat the stats he had last year what was it, like thirteen K per nine.
2: That's absurd.
0: Oh, um, there's there's no way he can keep that up. He pitched like ninety, uh, maybe not ninety. He pitched, I think eighty he high. Pitched 80. a
1: lot. Yeah, he pitched a lot. He of pitched innings. a lot of innings for a reliever. I do remember yeah.
0: that. And and if you're the, for the closer, if you're if he's got the closer job, Joe Girardi's not gonna send him out there for eighty-five innings to strike out one hundred and thirty whatever people. Mm-hmm. He's gonna get yeah. You're 60, spot on. He,
1: he threw ninety, and the, se- the season yeah. before that, he threw eighty-four in AAA. But he's pitched a lot of innings.
0: Yeah, it, the I mean, I know the Yankees kind of throw money around, so giving. However much they gave Andrew Miller is and like oh we got a, the the big money guy has to be the closer, but you never know they may want to see what they got with a four year deal for Andrew Miller and seeing maybe he mm-hmm. can close maybe he can turn into it because was so good as that setup guy, maybe um, we just keep him there I mean, like it's definitely not a bad thing to have like we saw with the Royals in the postseason last year it's not a bad thing to have like a shutdown eighth inning guy. Nobody is scoring yeah. off of, and then a shutdown closer. Just like a seven inning game is a lot harder to win than a nine inning game. As
1: a as an Orioles fan, I know I know how that is. Kansas City's bullpen destroyed us. We couldn't score off of them, and they I had they that. had all those they had all those shutdown guys.
0: I, yeah, it's actually kind of interesting. Um, and maybe this had happened a few years prior. I I didn't really get this deep into fantasy baseball um, probably until the last. Last season was my first like really deep sixteen team league uh but the sort of growth of or not growth but like the emergence of Wade Davis and the and to some extent, I guess this season people think Ken Giles or Giles like that shut down Ethan and guy has become sort of a value pick for for deeper leagues. I think that's pretty interesting yeah
1: yeah in fact it's something I actually think people should do later in the draft instead of taking the the closer who's obviously in a shaky situation he's got a high whip you know like a 1.3 1.4 whip he doesn't have a high strikeout rate um, you know instead of taking the Troy Hawkins <laughs> go okay. take the backup go take Foxberger go take uh, Tony Watson and you know what in those cases those guys may end up being the closer because, who knows, the injuries, the guy ahead of him shuts down, although Watson's case, Melanson, is pretty solid, so I'm not that worried about it there. But, you know, the peripherals, the, the whip, the ERA that you get from those guys, the extra strikeouts, those are huge. And they're guys that you don't really have to worry about. Yeah, you might not get the saves, but at that point, you might not be getting a lot of saves from guys like Latroy Hawkins anyway and some of these other closers on teams that have shaky situations. And, you know, you could draft a guy in the last two rounds, the last three rounds, who you think is going to get your saves, and he absolutely doesn't. It happened to me last year. I can't think of the guy's name now. But I drafted him, and then like a week later he wasn't the closer, and I was I was in a really bad position until, you know, the next turn of the roulette wheel of closers happened, and I happened to grab one.
0: Was it uh Was it Nate Jones on the White Sox because he totally, he totally screwed up my whole plan last year. Um, <laughs> no, I but think...
1: I did I did dip my hand into the White Sox, um, because I was, was so terrible. desperate I did dip my hand into that and it was so bad it was such a headache.
0: <laughs> I, because I, I took um Chapman last year, thinking okay he'll be out for a couple months. So I should I should get somebody to fill in and then I could you know trade them off. So I I went with the uh, Nate Jones experiment. Uh, first day didn't get an out. Second day didn't get an out. Third day season like his season was over. Um, it's like that is just a terrible terrible way to try to start your season. Uh, but yeah, blanking uh, on
1: the guy's name. It was the uh, Texas Rain. Were supposed to have been closer they Oh,
0: ended up uh, not being the closer. Was it was it Soria? Was he the or is it Feliz, Natalie Feliz?
1: Is that who it was last year?
0: I think I and then think,
1: he, he ended up not getting the spot or he got hurt. I'm blanking yeah, on it, it, it for some reason right now. I just I think I've blocked it out of my mind. I was so mad.
0: I think it <laughs> was Natalie Feliz was supposed to be the closer and then he had like some arm discomfort, so they gave it to Soria and then they traded Soria. And then they tried to give it back to Feliz, and then he got hurt. Texas was just yeah. a terrible situation last year. Nothing, yeah, nothing I feel bad good. for them. I know, right? Especially after those two seasons where they were like, well, the first World Series they they just kind of got beat, but the second one being like one strike away, they mm-hmm. feel like okay, like I'm not a Texas Rangers fan, but I feel bad for them. So I would have liked to see them win a World Series, and now they're just sort of like in the pits of just every time somebody goes out there, they get hurt. Darvish is hurt now, so. I don't think it's going to be a great season in Texas. But, hey, what are you going to do? You can only move on. Um, I I did pull up here our uh, fan tracks league. And, yeah, J.J. Hardy, I ended up with?
1: I got him with pick 221. That's. It, I forget the exact number of shortstops that were taken ahead of him, but it was at least 16 or 17 shortstops. <sighs>
0: Yeah, I think
1: and this I, was a fourteen-team uh, yeah. league, so people were taking backup shortstops before they took J.J. J. Hardy, and it was crazy. And I realized that the dynasties so and some people were taking like prospects, kind of crazy. Um, in fact, in that my is- opinion, people were going a little too nuts with prospects in this league. But there were some uh, non—I guess non-industry people in this league,
2: and yeah.
1: I, I think they just got a little too excited. Um, and, and so I took advantage of it, and it was able to get guys like JJ J. Hardy super late.
0: I think I took uh, Jed Lowry over JJ J. Hardy. Then I'm not proud of that.
1: <laughs> uh, did you get Lowry? Uh, yeah,
0: I have Lowry. My big pick was I got Marcus Stroman. I think in like the seventh or eighth round, and I was still happy. Oh, uh, and then he tore his ACL. And oh, my, that's um, right. And I was, grab.
1: I was. Uh, oh, well, you got Lowry in round 24.
0: It was a weird draft. Yeah. I'll be honest. It was like people would take like like ten prospects in a row like just random prospects that in my Yeah, league,
1: guys I had never even heard of. I'm like, who are you?
0: <laughs> like and I'm I mean, I'm not that great of a prospect guy. Like I read like Baseball America, stuff like that. Um I read yeah. Chris like Chris Myers rankings and stuff. So mm-hmm. I'm like I'm like who, why would you take this person like I don't even remember um a good example. I think uh, J.P. Crawford might have went a lot higher than I thought. or some, Somebody was like a good mid-level, like top 60 prospect, but he went like 15th overall. It was just strange. Um, but I think prospect. I remember
1: looking up one guy, and I, and I had never heard of him. I looked him up. He's some 19-year-old kid. Um, I forget which team now. And I'm going, this guy's not going to play in the majors for three years. And we only keep 25 people. So... What are the odds that you keep this guy? And I end up drafting of course I drafted another pitcher. because um, 'cause we've got pretty much no pitching limit. Um, but uh, yeah. I mean people were just going prospect happy and it was kinda of funny to watch.
0: Well it's it's on like Trout and Bryce Harper's fault. Um ever since like they like that first season of the Trout, I feel like people now Oh yeah, yeah. Every everybody now. wants to get Mike Trout. They want that they want the guy who will single handedly change their season. Um I definitely saw it last year with um what's his name? How I can't believe I'm blanking on the guy in Pittsburgh, the outfielder. Polanco. Polanco. Everybody thought Polanco was going to be the next big Mike Trout mm-hmm. guy. He, he was gonna steal the bases, he was going to uh hit home runs and then just it just didn't happen. Um, so I mean he was yeah I mean Polanco came in was good but yeah he wasn't
1: what you thought he was going to be. I mean I had people last year drafting Byron Buxton. You know I had people last year drafting. Um, uh, I forget who else. Yeah, you know, I, I had people drafting guys that probably weren't going to make the majors in redraft leagues, and it was this kind of. Like makes you shake your head. Like, what are you doing? You know, and yeah, you're right. Everybody gets all excited now because of what Trout and Harper did the first year. They came up, and I just let them do it. You know, go ahead. Now, now in this league because it is a dynasty, I did reach a little early on a couple guys. I ended up getting Betts and Jock Peterson, and I got them in round, I believe, seven and nine. Um, so it wasn't super early. Um, it probably is for like a normal redraft league for those guys. Um, but not for a dynasty league. You know, I'll be able to keep those guys forever, hopefully. And,
0: yeah, and I, I, you know, but those, those guys, are guys that
1: have a job.
0: Yeah, <laughs> some those of these guys, guys are, that
1: people were reaching for don't have a job, and I'm just like, what are you doing?
0: Th- those guys have proven well, maybe that's a little more than Peterson, um, but they've proven all right. I've made it. They've made the majors. They can hit. They can field. They're going to stick there. Uh, I think people take some of those raw talent guys just thinking like hey he hits a lot of home runs uh he steals a lot of bases but I'm not sure if he's going to going to make it um i was going to ask when you would be like normal was, maybe not maybe not in this dynasty I'm
1: league looking i remember looking at the draft board at that time and there was a lot so yeah i might think have a better season this year um guys like me like maybe Mel, uh, maybe nelson cruz was sitting there afterwards i'm looking at the list brandon moss possibly even you know he could have more power um, but the way I saw it was the Dodgers basically traded their outfield to get Peterson a spot.
0: Yeah. And
1: Young is a dynasty league. I'm taking the chance. And you have no idea how many trade offers I got for Jock Peterson. I laughed at all
0: of them. Uh, <laughs> I mean, real, no God. way. I have not got a single trade offer for any of my prospects. I feel very hurt at the moment. Uh, <laughs> who was my best one? I think Syndergaard is my best prospect, but you know, pitching prospects always get kind of – they're tough. Um, but so this was sort of a strange dynasty league because they were. Yeah, some, it is. Yeah. It
1: really is, actually.
0: But uh, I was going to just ask, say you're in a, like, full league uh, league of uh, fantasy writers, stuff like that, when for, – for dynasty startup. When do you normally look to get a prospect? Are you waiting to get those guys maybe – 15th round, or are you, are you going to go for Mookie Betts in round 7 again if it wasn't this wacky league?
1: I mean, I still think with, with guys that, you know, I don't know if they're considered prospects. Like, if Betts is really considered a prospect, so I guess you still have rookie status, so it is. I
0: guess that's true. But,
1: but like, you know, guys like Betts and Peterson, yeah, I'll I'll reach a little bit earlier on them knowing that they've got a job this year. I want guys who can help me this year. There's yeah. always gonna be a new crop of oh
0: prospect. super prospects always yeah.
1: so you know what I'll let people take guys like Byron Buxton and Senu guys who aren't gonna play this year yeartil maybe September, you know July at the best um I'll let people take them and sit with dead spots on their roster all year long and then. Next year, they can do the exact same thing. And then, you know what? In the off season during Dynasty, they'll have to decide, do I want to take this guy who I don't know if he's actually any good yet? Like, yeah, he's killing it in the minors, but there's a lot of people that kill it in the minors, and they come up and do absolutely nothing. Yeah. Um, you know, look at Sing- John Singleton last last year. He came up and immense power, but he couldn't hit the ball to save his life. He, what, one? In batting average, it was terrible. I'll let people deal with them, and I will go get guys who can give me stats right now and win the league, and then I will do the exact same thing next year. I'm not going to reach too high. I'm going to get guys who can help me today. What have you done for me lately? That's the way I always think.
0: Yeah, it definitely, it definitely doesn't hurt to win the league the first year and just like, okay, I've got the prize money under my belt, and I can go from there. Um, even
1: so, like even like I you know like I was saying though even even then there's gonna be a new crop of prospects that I get to pick from. So yeah, that's, that's, I'll that's, just that's I'll just go get the, the next want. prospect next year. You know, like there, yeah, I might miss the tr- I might miss the next trout with this way of thinking, but you know what? I've won a lot of fantasy baseball leagues and I've never owned Mike Trout.
0: Well, you're really so missing out you
1: me. can easily win without Mike Trout.
0: Yeah, you, know, you can so it, but it's a lot of fun owning Mike Trout though. I had him that first um, year when he got called up. I picked him up and I just like ran away with it. And oh only, well like,
1: yeah, of course, yeah, at that point because you've got so him along had, with all your stud guys that you've drafted. You know, you you probably dropped some scrub for Mike Trout at that
0: point. So
2: yeah.
0: Whoever that guy is that I draft, like I owe him a drink or something. Um, <laughs> But it really okay. is, like, a really fun – it's really fun to own Mike's out. I sort of compare it to, like, owning Ladini Tomlinson in his prime, where you just look at the stat line the next day and it's like, oh, two for three, three RBIs and a steal, two runs. Great. Next day, two home runs, four RBIs. There's never – Oh, never yeah,
1: no, absolutely. I mean
0: it – is, It is so fun. Um, but, yeah, if I – am like, for auction leagues and stuff, I tend not to go for Mike track cause just because – That's so much of my money is just going to that one guy, and he is fantastic, but I I don't know. I don't know what else I could get with that.
1: Yeah, I will never own Mike Trout in an auction league because he goes for 50, 60 bucks sometimes. Uh, And this is crazy to me, to spend almost a fifth of your money on one guy. He's not giving you a fifth of your production. I'm sorry. He will not do that. So you're losing out, in my opinion. I mean, last year I was in an auction where I got Mike Trout went for like sixty something. I ended up getting Carlos Gomez and Stanton for just a few bucks more combined.
0: That's a good deal. That's
1: nuts. Yeah, great. I mean that's that's crazy to think that well, I you know and and people got to think about it that way. And it, it's nuts to spend that kind of money on one guy. And it's awesome to have him. He's fun. But, you know, it's so Stanton when he blasts a 500-foot home run.
0: <laughs> That's true. I've never experienced like Stanton's fun. But, uh, but, you know, I think at least last year, Stanton was coming off of that down year. So that that probably yeah. helped. Um, I don't think you're going to end up with both of them again this year for Ew, almost what Trout.
1: Absolutely not.
0: <laughs> but, hey, you know, you got to make take advantage of those picks. Um, but so we were talking about prospects for a little bit. Um and we were sort of say that, you know, you, you like to have guys who are in the majors and are sort of proven commodities who can sort of make that big jump. Maybe not from no scrub to Mike Trout, but do you have uh, like any guys you're targeting this year for maybe like a big step up in production um who sort of who would give somebody what they were looking for out of a top prospect without having to pay for a top prospect? If if that made sense?
1: Um are you talking about prospects or are you no, talking so like, about, like, guys in the majors?
0: Like uh, what's a good, like Tyson Ross from for me last year. He was, like, the year before, he was an average pitcher. And then last year, he sort of made a big jump. So I got, like, a much bigger production from him for a much smaller cost. Mm-hmm. So, like, a, a guy like that who, who could give you a big jump in production as opposed to drafting – like uh, I don't know Noah Syndergaard thinking uh, he's going to get called up and he's going to win the Cy Young this year. Who's uh, like somebody, somebody who would have who been like a lower round pick last year who's going to make the jump this year, kind of thing. So, does that make sense? Now we're on the same page.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, so I mean, some you're, you're talking like younger guys who who can step up and, and kind of fill a void. Yeah. Um. I like. I like. Carlos Carrasco this year from Cleveland um, as a guy who a lot of people probably aren't talking about um, just in the everyday fantasy baseball world. Um, if you go look at his numbers at the end of last season, they were unbelievable. You know, he's a guy who's been kind of tossed around. He was he started with the Phillies, I believe, then got traded to Cleveland. Um, kind of didn't really do anything. Got a shot with Cleveland, didn't really work out, got sent back to the minors, got sent to the bullpen. And then toward the end of last year, his numbers were were crazy good. Um, trying to pull him up here.
0: Yeah, I, I remember him and Kluber sort of battling it out for like the most dominant starting pitcher down the stretch. Um, and I don't remember if Cleveland was still in the race. Like I think they were still somewhat in the race. But yeah, those, not those, really, those, but they were. You those know, two guys were just chilling yeah. it. Yeah, well, I mean
1: yeah. the second the second half numbers for him, one point seven two ERA. Um, he struck out.
0: He struck yeah. out a lot of guys. I know that for sure. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, he, I he definitely had. Yeah. Oh no, keep strike going. Out,
1: strike, strike out per nine was nine point eight four in the second half. Walks were, you know, he was only walking four and a half, you know, four percent of the batters. His his X FIP was two point two five, so it wasn't you know, even though it was higher, his FIP you know, his FIP and his X FIP were higher. It wasn't much higher. So he was still a dominant pitcher. And he yeah, I mean, you know, and i think he can be a guy that you can target after that second tier of pitchers and really make out this year.
0: Yeah, an X FIP of two point two five or 5.5 or whatever you just said, that's not a bad X FIP to have.
1: No, that's that's crazy good.
0: It's also kind of interesting to me that people. I don't know how many people are talking about this. I haven't heard it much, but Cleveland sort of become like whoever their pitching coach is and their pitching staff. They've sort of taken some post-type prospects like Carrasco and Trevor Bauer, and they're sort of turning them around. That I don't know. I don't know how many people really are talking about that. Like I like Trevor Bauer this year. that's a weight guy, but
1: yeah, I'm kind of I'm I'm kind of torn on him. He he wasn't great last year, but he was. Much better in Cleveland, which is shocking because that's actually kind of a hitter's part. The fact that they've got these pitchers that everybody wants, yeah. Um, so it, it's kind of scary. Like I keep finding myself taking them and then going, "Man, they could really get killed in that ballpark." Um, but, but see, that's what I'm saying. Just so good.
0: That's what I'm saying. With the, the I feel like just the pitching infrastructure there has reached a level where it's like, all right, I don't fear taking. Carrasco because of the park because I I just believe mm-hmm. in how like his his support system. Um but I I am a little weary about Kluber. I'm not sure what to do with him. I've tended to stay away. But it's a, they got a nice little crop of pitchers there that um I yeah, would not, definitely do. I I would not hate to have on my team. And even Danny Salazar, who's everybody's darling. Yeah,
1: I got him in our in our uh dynasty league. And uh I got a few trade offers for him, but our our league's so pitching heavy I couldn't take any of them so i uh I wasn't sold on taking him, but I think I got him like around twenty or something weird like that. I was like, well, whatever
0: <laughs> yeah it he he's probably not going to be Carlos Carrasco from last season, but no. he's like not a bad option to have at the back end of your rotation or just spot starting him. He's got skills. So I can't I can't fault you for that pick. Um by now. All right, so we got about 4 minutes left. Um, anybody else besides Carlos Carrasco you think might take a jump uh like uh I don't know. Tyson Ross is not the so,
1: But Yeah, so I was uh I was, I was looking through my rankings and uh a guy a guy I'm really high on this year is Christian Yelich. I know he was I know he was pretty good last year, but I think he can kinda of take the next step and he and he's still a young player, so I think he falls right into that definition of what you're looking for. Um he you know, he he's kind of a – he's not super power guy, he's not you know, gonna steal you thirty, forty bases, but you know, he, he'll he can get you twenty five and, and fifteen. He's gonna score a lot of runs with the with the offense that's behind him. Um, especially you know, I think he's gonna bat toward the top of that order. Um, they're saying he's having a good spring, I don't know his numbers, but uh I, I was hearing that he's that he's having a pretty good spring. So he he's gonna shoot up draft boards, but um you know, he, he's one guy that that I like and I'm targeting, I don't find myself getting him. Because I think there's always one other guy in the league who likes him a lot more than me. Yeah. Um, but but he he is somebody who I think will yeah. be a very valuable player, probably a, an, an outfielder two type value that you can draft as like an outfielder three or even an outfielder four in some cases.
0: Yeah. Uh, that I think a lot of reason he's shooting up is that the Marlins outfield has really bloomed over the last year and a half. So mm-hmm. I think people just could like especially like Ozuna last year, Yellich the year before that. They kind of sort of came out of nowhere and played really well. And that's I guess how the mm-hmm. Marlins do stuff, is they just send you send you to the majors and hope you hope you stick.
1: But yeah.
0: I I, definitely I mean, last year he scored that.
1: 94 runs, you know. It's just that's pretty valuable.
0: That wow, 284, that's 284. I mean,
1: runs. he's a guy that... And he's a guy, 284, he's a guy that's, you know, in the middle range of the outfielders right now, as far as ADP goes, who can give you a 284 average. So, you know, we were talking about average earlier and how, you know, you really want to focus on getting some high average guys. So he's one of the guys you can get a little later and help you out.
0: Yeah, and like what you said, where he's not going to get a ton of home runs or steals, I think that's, uh, people just look for those huge totals. They A lot of times don't look for the whole package.
1: Yeah, get, like the, get those all-around guys, and, and you'll you'll be really well off.
0: Yeah. Um, I just think anybody from the Marlins outfield will be a good pick this year. Uh, yeah, I agree. An, I like it a lot. I'm an Ozuna fan, but uh, mm-hmm. I don't think – I think I ended up with him in our league. But, uh, yeah, so we've got – what do we got? A minute left, so let's just wrap this up, Joe. I appreciate you coming on. I hope you're uh, – I hope we didn't wake up your daughter. That would have been terrible. Yeah.
1: Nah, I got three levels in the, in this house. I'm all the way in the basement. <laughs> I know better.
0: Well that is fantastic. Um I would have felt very, very bad if like halfway through I'm like, Oh, there goes Joe. He has to <laughs> walk up his daughter. We'll be right back, folks. Uh, but it was great. This uh three person thing worked out pretty well, I thought. Uh hopefully yeah. we can do it again. I didn't know you and Dan would be so similar or that you had done a mock draft <laughs> together. So I don't really
1: think I agree that you kind of at the last minute started asking a whole bunch of people and didn't realize he was one of the ones so that's that's kind of funny
0: yeah well hey we're just one big so called fantasy expert here uh, family of course. So, but Joe I appreciate it we will talk to you maybe next week maybe a week after we'll try to rotate you in um, but you yeah. can check us out so called fantasy expert dot com that's where our writing is uh, find me at the real chatoli so I can get verified and that would be great <laughs> we will talk to you guys all next week. Thanks for uh, listening.